uh, my partner AJ and I got together and we thought of like, how can we create the, what's the safest dining experience we can create if we had no budget, right? So basically it was to make individual shelters that would only be seated one time a night uh, that had enough airflow coming through, fresh air warmed coming through and then vented to where the air within the individual structure uh, cleared out faster than an ICU COVID room. Um, and so because of zoning, uh, which has been amazing with us, by the way, I'm not like complaining about zoning or anything like that. The best way for us to do it was to take greenhouses and modify them. Hello and welcome to Year of the Pivot on the Beyond Networking Podcast. This season, we're learning from individuals and organizations who made monumental shifts in 2020 in order to keep their business alive and continue the mission. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and author, speaker, and consultant on human connection. Today's featured pivoter is Tyler Anderson. Tyler is a chef and owner of multiple high-end restaurants. He's also a James Beard Award nominee and appeared on both The Food Network and Top Chef on Bravo. And if you're thinking, didn't you recently interview a restaurant owner? I did. This is a companion episode to my conversation with Pam Pados. In fact, Pam connected me with Tyler in the first place many years ago. Pam's restaurant, Popover, and Tyler's flagship restaurant, Millwrights, are in the same small Connecticut town. And like Pam, Tyler has not only stayed in business, but remained a pillar of the community through all the insanity of the last year. But that's where the similarities stop. See, while Pam's restaurant is a tiny breakfast and lunch bakery nestled in a quaint shopping plaza, Tyler's Millwrights is a massive fine dining dinner establishment overlooking a waterfall. While Pam's pivot was to remodel, nurture the relationship with her loyal customers, and make the most of her petite square footage, Tyler built dine-in greenhouses. Honestly, this episode is wild, and I don't want to spoil it. So check the show notes for all of the ways to connect with Tyler. Head to yearofthepivot.com for the Pivot Power newsletter. Get notified when a new episode drops, the Pivot Pearl of the Week, and gain access to exclusive live streams, masterminds, and clubhouse get-togethers. And now I bring you Tyler Anderson. This episode was made possible by Riverside.fm. Capture full, high-quality, raw audio in up to 4K video natively and without any internet interruptions. That's right. Even if the internet blips out during the live call, your recording remains pristine. Head to Riverside.fm for your free trial and a big thank you for sponsoring Year of the Pivot. Tyler, it's good to see you. You're here. You've got a signal. You've got a quick break in your day, although you've probably, what did you say, you have set seven seven meetings online already today? Uh, yeah, quite a few. So we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll make this to the point. Uh, what are you working on right now, this week, this weekend? What's going on in your life, in your restaurant? Well, we're working on getting ready for the holidays. Uh, you know, it's a time that's normally very busy for us. It'll be a little hit and miss this year. 
uh, but we're working on getting uh, Christmas Eve stuff going, uh, getting New Year's Eve stuff going, uh, possibly facing a shutdown. Uh, so getting ready for that and, uh, you know, moving forward, every week is something different in this. So we just try to bite it off week by week and keep it chugging. Yeah, just every week is something different. I mean, the restaurant industry has never been an easy industry from what I understand, having many friends in, in the industry. You know, it, it seems incredibly difficult and kind of touch and go, even in the best of times. I can't imagine trying to plan for holidays, which are hard to plan for to begin with, right? That's that's a whole other, other ballgame in a normal world, right? Yeah, it's a little unique. Um, and, you know, the key to all this is trying to figure out what it is that people are looking for. You know, what are people looking for for the holidays? Um, so we try to stay very informed. Um, we try, I mean, definitely we try to follow the science with all of this stuff. Uh, and, you know, we try to step, try to stay one step ahead by being informed on what we think people want. Um, it's sort of the key to restaurants. You're exactly right. Running a restaurant is, if you're not in love with doing it, it could be, it's the worst job in the world. But for people like me, it's the only job in the world. So uh, <laughs> here we are. Um, so you'll never hear me yeah. complain about how hard it is to run a restaurant. I'll complain to my wife about that. Uh, because nice. I've tried to do other things and it just doesn't work. Uh, but, you know, this year has certainly been a challenge in and of itself. So, yes, it makes it a lot harder for sure. That that really hit me when, when you when you just said, you know, you'll never hear me complaining apart apart from to my wife, because I, I said to my wife back well back when we were just dating and, and she and I was at that time, I was a touring magician before I had switched careers into speaking and all this other stuff, um, you know, and I remember saying to her. I'm a, don't let me complain for longer than five minutes on any given day about my job. I said, because obviously any job in the world has its down days and has its rough patches. Being a magician is no easy task, but at the end of the day, I'm a magician for a living. Right. And I was a relatively successful one yeah, at that. Right. So I was like, I'll complain for five minutes, but after five minutes, you can, you have the right to say, all right, enough's enough. You do card tricks for a living, you know? Um, so, so no. Okay. So let's then let's back up to, um, like January or February of this year before COVID, before we all knew that this was, that this was coming or at least in the way, uh, that, that it came. And if you had been at a social gathering or a networking event or met someone through friends and they, and they didn't know you from anybody and they said, what, what do you do? What what was your answer, or what is your answer? What do I do for a living, or what do I do with the COVID thing? No, what do you well, before before uh, COVID before we I all knew about this? If you had just met someone, they said, "What do you do?" I yeah. run restaurants, just straight straightforward, straight no no pomp yeah, and circumstance. That's what I do. That. Give us a little bit more, because anybody watching, listening, or reading this, because it's going to be in many different places, they'll have got my two sentence description of who you are and your background. But you you do more than just run restaurants, so you, you can take off the 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 humble uh, hat for a second and give us a little bit more about what you really do. Uh, I mean, I'm a chef by trade. I've been a cook my entire life. Uh, cooking is the base of everything I do in this business, but. The more and more we end up doing as chef owners of restaurants, it seems like the less and less cooking we end up doing. Um, so it all comes back to that, though. Like at the base of what I do, I'm a cook. Uh, I like to cook. I like to make people happy. I like instant gratification. Um, I love the uh, intensity of working in a restaurant. And, you know, like I said, it comes down to the fact that we like making people happy. And that's why we work in these uh, in this business. 
so interesting that you said you like instant gratification. That's something I've rarely, I rarely hear people admit to. Does that, does being a, does being a chef play into that? Right. Cause you, you make it, you hand it, they eat it and just instantly you see 100%. people smile. It's um, a lot of chefs by nature are very impatient people, impatient people. Uh, and I am certainly one of those. And I've come to grips with the fact that that's uh, what I do and that's who I am. And I know that I'm impatient and I like instant gratification and I like knowing that guests have had a good time by staring out into the dining room and seeing smiling faces. It's interesting, though, because the instant gratification aspect makes me wonder about this year with everything that's happened. Um, On one hand, I could see that being something you thrived on this year by saying, all right, today, every day is a new day. And today we're going to figure out how to beat this day. And if you like instant gratification, that's great. On the other hand, not being able to plan for anything um, I, how have you been handling that with your personality? Type uh, you know, that's year? been a stretch. So it's like, you have to, when you're a chef, when you're a cook by nature, uh, part of, part of what makes a good cook is the ability to problem solve and think on your feet. Uh, it's, a it's, a it's a matter of 20 problems within a three hour period that need to be addressed and, and taken care of, uh, right away and in the right way. Uh, so the forethought that it's taken to try to as the owner of the business is now the the forethought that it's taken to try to see where this thing is going to be uh, a week from now, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, four weeks from now has been a has been a huge stretch for me. Uh, thankfully, I mean everybody says this, but I, I have a great staff. I have an amazing team, and my team has allowed me to uh, sit and think more. Uh, than I ever do. Uh, I'm sort of a spastic, so I'm like all over the place, running, 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 running. But the ability to just, as a business owner, to sit and think and uh, to try and come up with the best solution for what's going to happen, try to guess what the next step will be, uh, has been so crucial along the way here. Um, And I have great partners. I have great teams. So that's allowed me to do that. How are you guessing in the in these days, in the middle of this year, are you paying attention to community forums? Uh, I mean, you, you're very involved in the community here, and I, I know that because I actually live here, right? Which is something right. I wouldn't get to say about most of the people I interview here. So, um, you know, do you pay attention to that? Are you and other restaurant owners? Um, I, I spoke with our mutual right. friend, Pam Pedos, who's one of my favorite people in the world and uh, for for this project. And, and she was mentioning how certainly at the beginning of the pandemic and mostly still the local restaurant owners have really banded together in a way that they never, never had before, at least on that level. Um, How are you staying in touch with what people want? Do we, do people even know what they want in the middle of this? (laughs) Uh, No, they don't. Because like I said, things change every week. So how can, how can people be consistent? Uh, You know, I don't expect them to be consistent, but I think what it is, is uh, my partner, AJ and myself, we've sort of, started watching the news more than we ever did before. Uh, and we watch everything. So I watch, you know, there's no politics here, but I'll watch CNN, NBC, Fox. Um, I'll watch BBC. I watch all those things just to get a view of how people are feeling based on what they're watching. Um, also, like there's this constant gathering of information that happens via sh- social media. And I'm on that more than I ever have been. It's not something I love, but I feel like it's part of the job right now. I feel like you get a good pulse of how people are feeling from being on there uh, and being active there. Um, and just like a constant gathering of information, things from our guests, uh, feedback directly to the restaurant we promote 
you know, like for, I, I give my personal email to, you know, a lot of guests. And so a lot of guests, you know, know that they can contact me directly. Uh, but it's just gathering all of the information, filtering it, uh, finding out what's best for this spot, and then and then spitting it out on the other side. You give your personal email to guests. I don't know almost any, if any, restaurant owners let a, that would that would do that or invite that level of potential direct criticism. Uh, do you mostly get positive feedback, or do you get criticism? Why why did you start giving out your personal email? That seems crazy. So we did it. We we've done it when we've done major, uh, like when we've made major changes. So when we went to just carry out, I wanted to know directly to me how people thought that our carry out product was. Um, number two things. Uh, number one, it gets me the information uh, directly, and number two, it doesn't. If if somebody has a negative experience, maybe it doesn't go up for the masses to see, and maybe it's something we can fix. Uh, a problem that we can fix before it gets to that. Uh, we're here to make people happy. So if they don't have the ability to contact me when we've done something big and bold and new and weird uh, to tell me where it is, I'm doing it for them. I'm not doing it for me. So I want to make sure that, you know, at least we're headed the right direction. Really interesting that you would uh, bring that in directly, but what a great way to stay in touch with what people actually want and to respond to when people don't like something, have you had people say something that they didn't like and you decided they're right, but I don't want to change that, but that's a thing that this is something we do. And if they don't like it, they can just go somewhere else. (laughs) That's a good question. Every once in a while, um, normally there's a reaction, you know, I, and and it's, listen, we have a lot of people coming through these doors in, in, in a year. So, you know, di- different people have different opinions on food, certainly, just like art, just like magicians, just like anything. So it is, uh, you know, just because one person does say something, it doesn't mean that that is that that that's going to change. Uh, it's it's sort of like looking for trends, I guess. And everyone who has any sort of constructive criticism for my restaurants, for me, whatever, I do consider that thing. There's nothing that I say, bah, poo poo, you know, whatever. Uh like I said, our goal is to make people happy. And if people weren't happy with their experience in my restaurant, then that does affect me personally. Um, it shouldn't. And the older I get and the more I do it, it probably affects me a little less. But it's still, I still take those things to heart, certainly. Uh, and when somebody takes their time to reach out and tell me that they didn't like something, I take that very seriously. Yeah, you take it seriously. And from what I'm hearing from you, you take it seriously because it was, um, it's, it's a big thing for someone to do to actually reach out directly to the owner and to say to the owner, essentially to their face, because you're they're sending you an email, not not the restaurant, not office yeah. at Millwrights or whatever, but they're sending it to Tyler at Millwrights. You know, I, I imagine that take that takes a lot for somebody, and and I feel the same way when I've when I've had the um, luckily very rare, but you know, but criticism of uh, my book. You know, after three years of writing a book, when somebody writes a bad review, you're just like, oh yeah, Jesus, you wrong. know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And there's been very few of them, but when somebody did, I I I actually tracked them down and reached out to them personally, and I said, "Listen, uh, 
you know, can I give you a refund? You know, and like they did, they bought it from Amazon, right. you know, and I was like, right, right. can I give you your 16 bucks back? Cause I don't want you to feel like you didn't get your money's worth, exactly. uh, you know, um, you know, and I, I didn't think it meant my book was bad, but it was bad for them. It was not right for right. them. And you can't rewrite the book. So there's nothing you can do at that point. But, right. um, so talk, Walk me through this year. So go. So it's March. It's like you know, I don't know, March tenth, twelfth, fourteenth, fourteenth, right? 14th. It was those. Yeah, for yeah, it was those like forty-eight hours. I'll never forget as long as I live. As I watched the entire global live event industry collapse around me with a yep. baby on the way, and I was like, oh, oh no, Brutal oh no, that. you know, yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. is all I've ever done. Right. Um, so talk me through that. What what was the initial reaction? And then what were your first steps? Uh, what were your first thought process? W- what did you do? Well, it, I'll admit that the initial reaction was a tiny bit of relief uh, because what had happened just previously to that is almost what's happening now. Uh, consumer confidence gets so low that you're open, you're trying to keep everyone employed, and you're losing money. Because no matter what you do, guests aren't going to come to your restaurant, right? So it was the, the idea, just the thought of closing the restaurants uh, and laying a bunch of people off was terrible. And it was a terrible thing to have to do. But it gave me this small sense of relief, honestly, knowing that I had to do it. I didn't have a choice. Like, I had to do it. We had to close. We had to lay everyone off. We had to figure out how to come back from it. Um, so... It sounds very strange, but that was my first uh, instinct was that, or my first like very, my first feeling was that a small sense of relief, not a major sense of relief. And then we sort of took four days off, uh, regrouped. And do you want the whole story? I do. I really do. So then we regrouped, uh, we got together, we decided we would open for carryout. Uh, So we got some employees back. And we started carryout. The The support during that carryout period was amazing. Uh, Mill Rates is a fine dining restaurant. We're not known for our carryout. Uh, part of this in every, every phase, we sort of sit back and we say, what do we have that gives us an advantage? What do we have that gives us a disadvantage? And if we can take the disadvantages and somehow work them into advantages, then we will have succeeded. And we found that we are a fine dining restaurant, but we switched to a much more casual takeout thing. Uh, people are used to paying a, sort of a premium for Millwright stuff. We use the best ingredients. We, you know, we do all that. So we wanted to make it affordable, but at the same time, we knew that we didn't have to do a thousand. We didn't have to have a thousand people ordering carryout from us to make it work. Um, thankfully, many, many, many people did, and it was awesome. And so we continued on. Uh, then as things started to, um, I guess, turn into the ability to dine outside would be the next phase. Uh, yeah. There's a place in our restaurant. Uh, two things that we had going for us, definitely. Number one, we're in Simsbury. So we're, we're it's a safe place, right? It feels safe. feels safe to me. I live here too. Uh, feels safe to me. And we liked that. Uh, number two, we have space and lots of it. It's a big restaurant. So we wanted to use those two things to our advantage. Uh, there was a bridge seat or there was, we have a beautiful bridge that overlooks a waterfall and we have a path. And for a lot of the time here, uh, my partner and I had wanted to put uh, a tables out there and we're never really allowed to because it wasn't zoned for that. Um, and 
we wanted to put a kitchen out there because we wanted to be able to separate our staff so that we weren't on top of each other uh, during all this pandemic stuff. So we were able to cluster our staff. So we put a kitchen out there. We put <laughs> about uh, 18 tables out there. Yeah, 18 tables out there. Uh, and it was very busy. I mean, it, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful setting. We were very fortunate to have it. Yeah. Um, it was nice. Um, all the while, we're still doing our carryout. So not open inside. Uh, then we open inside at 50%. Um, we saw we only opened our dining room and we only opened on Fridays and Saturday nights uh, because, again, we didn't want the restaurant to be too crowded. We didn't want to have any cases of COVID. We didn't want it spread within our our uh, staff. Uh, so we started only Friday, Saturday nights until the weather started to go bad. Um, oh, meanwhile, we started a taco truck and we bought a we bought a trailer <laughs> to cater. And because we knew catering indoors was going to was going to be was not going to be good this year. So we bought a trailer to be able to cater whenever, wherever, however uh, we could come to you. We don't need any utility. It's completely self-sustained. That was good. And then we got pulled back on the amount of people we could have for a party. So we knew we had to switch pivot the trailer. I've always wanted to do a barbecue and taco thing. So we set up a barbecue and taco restaurant in our parking lot here at Millwright. Because it is very important to me. We have the tavern, which is casual, and it's very important to us that we uh, that we offer that uh, sort of casual thing as well as being a special occasion restaurant. So we set that up uh, in the parking lot, and that was in the parking lot for a lot of the summer. Uh, and then slowly as, as things, as the weather started to get bad, we knew that this outdoor uh, fantasy wouldn't last forever. So we started working on the idea of having heated greenhouses, um, rolled through those. They were shut down. We we spent a lot of money buying greenhouses. That idea. All right, hang yeah. on. Yeah. Time out. The greenhouses. Yeah. We gotta we gotta pause on the greenhouses because first, everything you already said is so above and beyond what the average restaurant either did or was able to do in America, right? Because so many places. I mean, I my brother lives in Seattle, and he said, you know, some seventy percent of all the mom and pops, the locally owned restaurants all shut down by like, I don't know what it was, you know, June or whatever. Like they were all gone before we they even hit the summer. So you were able to, you, you had a couple of things working in your favor, you know, safe place, good weather, summer. You obviously had the ability um, financially to to make some interesting choices and you made some, and, and I feel like you kind of breezed over the fact that like, taco truck wasn't an obvious choice for millwrights. I mean, that wasn't like the thing everybody goes, oh yeah, that's obviously what they would have done. Yeah. Uh, how how did you how did you come to taco truck? Just always wanted to do it. Why not now? So I was born and raised in Southern California. Uh, so I spent more time in Tijuana as a youth than my mother would care to ever <laughs> know about. Uh, and I was a surfer, so there was definitely this culture with go to Mexico, go surfing, go to the taco places, go to the bar, go to the taco places again, pass out on the beach, go surfing. Uh, so that was sort of, that's what I came from. And I've always wanted to have a taco restaurant and I love barbecue. Uh, so the ability to take those two, sort of the two, aside from fine dining, the, the two uh, food things that I love most, tacos and barbecue, and fuse them together uh, was something that's always been in my yeah. mind. So it wasn't, it didn't just spring from nowhere. This is, this is like me truly cooking the food from my childhood in the neighborhood. I grew up in, there were a lot of, a lot of our neighbors, it was a Mexican neighborhood. So a lot of our neighbors would like open up, pop up, uh, 
taco spots on the weekends out of their garages at their house. And the whole neighborhood would go over there and the mom would be griddling tacos and making the stews, the guisados and like all that other stuff. And it's some of the best food experiences I've ever had. So the whole model for the truck was sort of, was, was sort of built out of that. That's, that's, that's awesome. So, um, all right. So let's get to the greenhouses now because the greenhouse was what prompted me to reach out to you about the pivot project when when you did that i mean you, you'd already done amazing things this year and i was just gearing up to start this series of interviews and then the you know just dropped in my news feed on facebook you know tyler is doing greenhouses and i saw the photo and i was just like what in the world is that so what are they and talk me through what has now been a saga in fact the reason you and i did not connect on the first time around. If I'm, if I believe right, when we had scheduled this, because you were still on the phone dealing with stuff related to the greenhouses. So, what are they? Right. What's the story? So, the greenhouses. Uh, my wife is immunocompromised, so she has an immune. Uh, she's she's high risk, COVID high risk, which is one of the reasons uh, we are extremely extremely safe, and I am extremely safe as safe as I can be in my personal life while still leaving the house. So we wanted to create the safest possible dining experience we could think of. So uh, my partner AJ and I got together and we thought of like, how can we create the, what's the safest dining experience we can create if we had no budget, right? So basically it was to make individual shelters that would only be seated one time a night uh, that had enough airflow coming through, fresh air warmed coming through and then vented to where the air within the individual structure uh, cleared out faster than an ICU COVID room. Um, and so because of zoning, uh, which has been amazing with us, by the way, I'm not like complaining about zoning or anything like that. The best way for us to do it was to take greenhouses and modify them, greenhouse kits and modify them to work for us in this situation. So it meant we weren't building a structure from scratch. We were building a kit, uh, but, my partner is uh, very good with construction and he was able to build, take a greenhouse shell and sort of turn it into something much more. <laughs> it's so, it's so bananas. Uh, and, and if I remember reading this correctly, cause there was a great article in, I forget what it was in, was it in the current, uh, there was a great article about the greenhouses and right around the time I saw the article about it, I also read the news. I think you would maybe posted about it. You and the fellow restaurant owners that, out of nowhere, after you'd spent all the money and the energy and the effort, it got shut down and then opened back up. Do I remember that right? Yeah. And you know, that one wasn't just us either. There there's these decisions, they made a bad decision, right? And the decision, the decisions can't just come at restaurants like that have put a bunch of money into it. So yes, we did put a lot of money into it and we did have greenhouses, but there are a bunch of other restaurants around us who also spent mom and pops. Like I am a mom and pop restaurant, but we're also like, we're a big restaurant. We're a known restaurant We're we've been here a while We're we're established, but there are all these places that spent thousands of dollars on these little structures. And all of a sudden these little structures that they just decided to put out because the weather was turning were illegal. Uh, mm-hmm. So working with the CRA, the Connecticut restaurant association, using social media uh, to, to, uh, make people aware of the situation um, and just sort of pushing it through ourselves, we were able to get that turned around. 
uh, the DCD worked really well with us. Governor Lamont's office worked really well with us, and they reversed the greenhouse thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great, and I, I was thrilled to see that. Then, and I, I think I saw there was there is a, a big support from uh, basically your fans, your, you know, your community, uh, your rest, you know, your, your, your patrons. Uh, and you really, you really do have fans. I said that to Pam too. There's very few restaurants that really ever achieve the status of having fans and not just patrons. And you have fans. Uh, and there was a huge uh, outpouring and calls and emails, I believe, right to the state, to, to whoever the right people were. Yeah, behalf. it was all, and it, you know, it it struck. I think it struck a lot of people's chords because it was it was BS. You know, like it was yeah. it was instead of instead of like seeing what every and you you know what? Listen, I agree. You, me, and fifteen of our friends should not be sitting in a bubble that's not ventilated, right. thinking that we're safe, right? right? I mean, but who thinks that? So <laughs> instead of going on a case by case basis and seeing what people's plans were, you know, just to make them illegal as a whole, I think people realize the uh, it that it was probably not the right idea. And a lot yeah. of people got behind it and that was awesome to see. And uh, I'm very thankful for that for sure. And just to, to close out that, that story before we kind of pull into the, to the end here, uh, uh, I saw somebody say, and I don't have this confirmed, so you can confirm for me. Did you basically book up for the, like for months immediately with the greenhouses? Yeah, we've booked, um, we we pretty much booked an entire month and a half flat the entire month and a half. It's always, That's... it's always weird going into the new year because people reservations are always strange in January. January is very slow, but people mm-hmm. in this year, they're not thinking about making reservations for next year. So we do have a lot of reservations for next year and we're hoping to run the thing through the entire winter. Um, we have really good HVAC going to it and we're able to achieve about 40 degrees warmer than it is outside. So we should be in wow. business uh, in 15 degree weather. Uh, and wow. yeah, they book fast, they book fast and we're about to release a lot of twos. So the, the two, the twos that we have are booked until March. Um, <laughs> we have, we have a lot of, we have fours and then we have one that seats up to eight. Um, and then we're going to release a lot of twos. We actually are converting our bridge now into greenhouse spots for two people as well. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So Tyler, I've got three Quick questions that are uh, the final questions I'm asking everybody. These are, uh, I asked everybody the same final three questions. Uh, It's a way for me to um, categorize the 40, 50 interviews I'm doing and be able to figure out where the themes fit with each other and where all the stories kind of intersect. So uh, this, the first of the three is absolutely the hardest based on my experience in the last few weeks. Uh, So take your time. Uh, I I will edit out any long, weird pauses. All right. how would you describe your 2020 this year? How would you describe this year in one word? Chaos. <laughs> Didn't have to think about that at all. Nope. I don't even think you need an explanation based on everything we've already talked about. Nope. Okay, next question. What characteristics or personality traits of yours in particular uh, would you say were crucial to your business's survival this year? Well, number one, I embrace chaos. Uh, I'm a punk rock kid. I've always liked a little, you know, like controlled chaos. I, I enjoy those situations to a certain point. Um, that's probably one of them. Along with that, there have, there are a lot less rules for us as restaurateurs. A lot of people have flexed and let us, there's a lot less red tape for when we want to get something done. That's a world I work better in. Um, I am 
pretty good at putting a team together and the team I put together here is, is like really performed in all of this. Uh, and I don't ever stop. Yeah. 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 And that it's, it's, it's funny too, cause you kind of without realizing it just kind of called back to, to the, uh, beginning of the conversation when you mentioned instant gratification being something that's part of who you are. And you said, you just said, oh, they, you know, kind of removed the red tape so we can just, we can just go, we can, go, we can just yeah. do stuff. Yeah. That's, they've been very supportive awesome. of ideas that we've had, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's been good. It's awesome. All right. Last question. Uh, at this point, it's December, it's middle of December, uh, almost kind of, uh, December, 2020, what is your outlook right now on the future of your business, your restaurants? Uh, my restaurants, I have, I have a few restaurants. Some of them sit in better shape than others. Uh, the ones that are in, I have, we have restaurants in New Haven. We have restaurants in Hartford downtown. Those restaurants are going to, they're in hotels and they're going to take some effort. Um, but we have good partners and we're confident. Um, and Millwrights, I think that, you know, we just keep, we just keep chugging along. Uh, I feel good about it. I feel good. I feel good about the vaccine because the thing is with the vaccine that makes me feel better is that from a selfish point of view, and I think a lot of Americans and a lot of people across the world think like this, you know, this, this, this thing is something that you want to save the high, the high risk people from. And so I feel that when the high risk people have a vaccine that's been proven uh, and that they're safe, that I think consumer confidence will go up. So I think we'll see a turn in restaurants faster than a lot of people are saying, faster than the late summer, fall of next year thing. God, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, but I think we should, in March, we should start seeing our numbers tick back up. So with the light at the end of the tunnel, it's just push, push until then uh, and yeah. keep on keep on trucking. Awesome. Well, listen, before I let you go, where should people uh, who maybe don't live in the area, they don't live in Connecticut, they might live in some other country, uh, you know, uh, where where should people go find you? Do you want them to connect with you personally, professionally, LinkedIn, social media? Do you want them to find your restaurants? Where should people look you up or, or go check you out? Instagram's the best. My Instagram is uh, at Chef Tyler Anderson. Um, I'm pretty active on there, and especially these days, uh, gathering the information. Did you hear about our, our latest endeavor? Uh, maybe. Tell me. So, can I go right now on it? Yeah. Okay. So, you do you know that we operate, we have a hotel, the Goodwin Hotel in downtown Hartford. Sure. Obviously, downtown's been hit really hard because, oh, yeah. and those are the restaurants that need a lot of people's support right now, for sure. Um, downtown, who knows when it's going to be coming back. <laughs> uh, so... When we go back to the what are our advantages and disadvantages, a big disadvantage is obviously that we're in a city uh, and that we're in a hotel, but that's also an advantage because we're in a hotel that is not very booked. Uh, hotels are not very busy right now, believe it or not. So I was I was brought the idea of partnering with one of the local uh, one of the local theaters, Theater Works, to create something uh, and as this sort of like advanced, I love the idea of doing like a dinner mystery sort of thing uh, that was low contact, but as this thing sort of spiked more, uh, we knew that that wasn't gonna work. So what we've done is in, at the Goodwin, we are taking, uh, we have 21 rooms. It's a it's an old looking hotel, right? It's like, it was built in 1880 by JP Morgan. Uh, it's very classic. So we have these small rooms with fireplaces in them. We're taking the beds out. We're putting tables into the rooms and what we're doing is we're creating a completely, you can either get it contactless or near contactless, escape room 
meets dinner theater experience in your room. <laughs> we just announced it yesterday. That's so, so cool. A local PR company and a local uh, theater to create. Um, I like the idea of people dining. You know, obviously it's very, very safe to dine in your own hotel room. You're the only people there for the night, you know, whatever. It will not look like a hotel room. The beds are out of it. No, no wacky stuff going on. Uh, But um, to create an experience around that, that isn't just you and I eating dinner in a hotel room. Uh, So we are writing a a little bit of historical mystery theater thing uh, that you can, and it won't be, it won't be too difficult, but it'll be a fun way uh, to enjoy dinner and, the food and the dinner experience goes along with the story as well. Man, that is so, so cool. I'm going to have to look out for that and I'll make sure that, uh, you know, by the time this hits wherever YouTube and everywhere else, that there's a link to that in uh, the show notes description, wherever that is. Cause that's, and it's called room service because room service won't get shut down. (laughs) Room service at the good one. That's awesome. Well, I tell you, and, and you just describing that gets me so excited for a, uh, post-COVID or at least a um, a vaccinated, it's a little bit safer COVID right. world uh, because you and I for years have danced around the same circles and have never found a way to connect on a really high-end exclusive magic show at Millwrights, uh, which is something that we definitely need to do at some point now that you've that. been able to work with a, a theater group and had that experience of working with entertainment um, to build it in that that gets me excited for for future collaboration potentials. Um, so listen, oh, you know what? La- last actual question: Where is your favorite? What's your favorite Food Network appearance you've done? If people want to go find you or search out an episode, uh, Food Network, I would say none of them. Uh, you know, they're they're all fine. <laughs> Top Chef. I was on Top Chef season fifteen. That was that was the coolest experience because it's it's more than just a day. Um, I think that's a great great show. I think, and I'm not just saying that because I'm trying to kiss ass and get back on it. Uh, but I think it's a great show. I think they they show people as they are. They don't try to make up stories. It's not overly dramatic. Um, I honestly, I've enjoyed all the shows I've been on, but Top Chef definitely was the best. That's awesome. You know, it's so funny too because I, I said Food Network, but I actually my my most vivid memory is probably of Top Chef. Yeah, and I, I just yeah. So people do that. All yeah. Time. Well, listen, I know you're tired of being on video. We're all tired of being on video. Uh, Go on with your day. Uh, Congratulations on all the success that you and your team and uh, your team deserves a ton of credit as you've given them already. But I'll say it, too, because having. Yeah. What is it? (laughs) And a break. They deserve a break. And a break. I, I have I have no I have no doubt. But yeah, when we used to dine in the restaurant in pre covid times, they were just you know, the best of the best and, uh, and everything's been great this year. So, uh, congratulations, good luck. Yeah. And we will, we will be in touch. Sounds great.